Welcome to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. This is a deep dive into my life, my stories, my experiences, the things that I love to talk about, the things that inspire me, and my thoughts and observations about the world. This is a podcast where you'll mostly find me sharing myself uncensored, but where you will also meet amazing guests and hear about topics that will inspire you to keep learning, to keep searching for your truth, and to guide you to be unapologetically you. So what's the deal with astrology? I think people have this love-hate relationship with it. They're either so intrigued by it that they can't help but want to understand how it works. That's definitely me. I fit into that category. Or um, you can also say that my Mars in Scorpio is relentlessly pursuing the study of astrology. And every day, my strong 12th house Gemini energy takes me deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. Because it is a rabbit hole that, by the way, I actually love going down because for me, it's about this endless, endless discovery. The other way that people, you know, look at astrology is to have like the the hate relationship with it. And people see it as this, you know, a pseudoscience. So like, it's not real. It's basically, it's just another way of another, maybe a nice way. I don't know of saying that astrology is BS and astrologers are full of shit because astrology, they say, apparently whoever doesn't really believe in astrology, you know, they say that astrology can't be proven by science, but that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective because basically that says that science is the only method for us to decipher something, whether something is true or not. And that's actually not true. Science is not the only way to decipher whether something is true or not. There's other things like intuition and, you know, divine knowing and inner knowing, wisdom, your inner body, uh, your inner guiding system, your emotional guiding system. And basically, it's just like the people that don't understand astrology, I think, have this idea that because you can't prove it through science, that it doesn't, it's not real. It doesn't, you, you know, it's like it's fake. It's a pseudoscience. But I feel like the people that have experienced astrology and that have actually allowed themselves to be in, you know, the, 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 in awe of, of how it sort of portrays your life or how it activates your life or how it helps you guide you in life. I think those people actually understand it and they understand that even though you can't prove astrology through science, actually you probably can dive into it as a, as a mathematical thing, maybe not like scientific, but like definitely mathematical because, because astrology is basically like uh, a, a, a math equation, you know, that like can go back in time and then also into the future. So I feel like with people that have a hard time thinking about, you know, astrology and how it works and whether it's real or not, just haven't really experienced it. And that's why I wanted to create this episode to help you um, basically understand my experience of learning about astrology and how I came into, you know, the realization of like, wow, this stuff is crazy. But astrology is one of those topics that unless you have studied it, unless you you've seen it unfolding in your life, unless you've been aware of how you're experiencing what we call the transit, 
um, or an aspect, there's just no way to understand fully what astrology is about. There's just no way to see the magic in it, to see the intricacies, to see the connections, to see the symbolism of all of it manifesting in your life and in your personality, in your likes and your dislikes, in your comfort zones, and in your relationships. You don't really know astrology until you've actually studied it like hardcore <laughs> because it's so expansive and you'll never stop learning new things about it. And it goes with 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 everything. If you want to know something, you got to go find the answers. Don't wait for someone else to give you the answers. If there's one thing that astrology has taught me is that being your own detective, coming to your own conclusions and doing your own research and discovering your own answers is so much more rewarding and healing than having the truth just being like told to you. Astrology to me is taking my power back. I perceive the world through my eyes and astrology helps me understand how you perceive the world through yours and it helps me to understand you at a deeper level and appreciate you for who you are, not who I think you should be. It's a system of awakening the mind, or at least it was, it is that for me. The more I dive into astrology, the more I appreciate the, the diversity of our personalities, the more I understand myself and the more that I can actually understand the world because astrology is so much more than just personality types. It's so much more than just your sun sign. For example, did you know that every single zodiac sign is represented in your personality, in your chart? There's a little bit of every sign in you. It just gets expressed differently. And through astrology, you can actually see how these things are expressed and in what area of your life this will be seen the most. It's really intricate and it's infinite. And I think that's what draws me to it. It's the endless possibilities of discovering everything about you and it's also intertwined with the stars and the universe and the mysteries of our entire reality. It's a key that when you have it, you can now open up the portals to your universe, to the universe. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was 23 years old, I escaped from Southern California. <laughs> and I say I escaped because it felt that way. I was like, you know, running away. And basically Los Angeles. LA to me felt like a concrete jungle. There was too many cars, too many people, not enough. I didn't have any friends. Or at least I didn't I couldn't connect to anybody. I felt this like loneliness. And um I felt this kind of fear, like just always, always around me, always in me, always with me. And I, it was really uncomfortable. I came to realize that those feelings I had while I was living in LA were more part of my intense sensitivity and my ability to feel everyone's feelings around me to the point where I would literally have, you know, panic attacks just driving down the street because somebody would like cut me off or, you know, just stupid stuff. What I experienced was a lot of intense sensation. And the sensation was, it, it, it just drew me, it, it took, it made me fear, fearful of just life in general and people in general. And it was weird. And it was like an energy that I, I've only felt in LA. I've, I haven't felt anywhere else. 
in other places that I've lived, I've, I've felt like different energies because every place, every location in the world like has different energies depending on like what part of the planet it's on. Like if you look at the grid of the planet, the energetic grid of the planet, like the chakras of the planet, that's a whole nother episode. But if you look at that, every there's specific areas in the world that have more sort of energy. Um, some of them are more connected, like uh, divinely, energetically, spiritually to these like vortexes and other places are not as connected, but they have a different type of connection. But I've only really experienced in LA this like intense, it's like overwhelming confusion in the air. And it's, it's things that would happen that would just send me into like a panic. And I didn't realize it, but I've, it created a lot of anxiety for me in my life, being around that much intense anxiety. I think I was feeling other people's anxiety too. And there's actually moments in my life where I just don't feel safe, period. And I know that now that that has to do with my undefined spleen, if you look at uh, human design. And I don't know much about human design, but I just know a little bit to know that like having an undefined spleen in human design makes it so that you have a hard time feeling safe. But of course, I didn't know that then. I just, I just needed, I knew I needed to get away. And there's nothing that I can do about it. So sometimes I literally rely on others to tell me that everything is okay. And I was, I was weak back, back then. I was scared. I wanted to run away from the pain from the constant confusion about who I was and who I wanted to be. And I felt so much pressure to perform, to be the best. But I was never really the best at anything back then. And there was just too many people. The odds were against everyone, you know. In order to be seen in a place like L.A., to, to I guess, you know, L.A. is very much like, oh, I want to be famous or I want to be seen or things like that. It's very, like, Hollywoody, But... You couldn't, it wasn't about being the best. It was about having the right connections. And so it was obvious that the game was always rigged. And I could see that what I was being told that was a bright future for me was actually not. And like, I didn't even want what people wanted for me. My, the life that I thought I wanted was not. So there was this like intense opposition. And, and I wanted, I needed to see, I, wanted, I needed to think more clearly. I felt really like fogged in my mind. And the truth is that I didn't, I really didn't know what I wanted. I just knew that I needed to leave. I needed to, I wanted to run away from the pain. I wanted to run away from the suffering. I wanted to run away from the constant feeling of like, what is wrong with me? I felt like what is wrong with me has been like the question of my life. I know now that there's nothing wrong with me, but you know, I didn't know that back then. And, and the questions that came up were, you know, why do, why don't I want what everybody else wants? Why am I not happy here? Why is it that I feel the most at ease when I'm actually by myself? Why do I have so many questions about the world? Where does my desire for a better world come from? And why do I feel like there's no way in hell a tiny little ant like me can make a difference? And what is it with my desire to know everything there is to know about someone? Like, why can't I stop talking sometimes? Why is it that there are certain subjects that I can't stop talking about? Why am I so curious about everything? It was just all confusing to me to feel like I didn't know myself. To realize that I was different, 
that my mind worked very different than other people's minds, or at least no one really showed this side of themselves? Like, was everyone hiding? Was I constantly seeking to know more? Why was I constantly seeking to know more? To explore more about the reality of the world? Why was I constantly bringing everything back to spirituality? To the divine? To the connection between me and God? Why were those things so important to me? They made me feel like I was an outcast. They made me feel like a fish out of water. They made me feel like I was all alone. It's the weirdest feeling to be completely surrounded by people and still feel completely alone. Now I know that all those questions that I had have been like fully answered by me looking at my natal chart. All of those things are there. But I wouldn't have known unless I started to study astrology. Well, when I was 23, um, I, I ran away to Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Boulder fucking Colorado. Just saying those words, like so much has happened there. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm 36. <laughs> Boulder, Colorado was like my dark night of the soul. But it was also my awakening. It was my tower moment and my enlightenment. It was me walking through the underworld, exploring the darkness, taking it and watching myself crumble to pieces, burning with the fire of transformation, and then, and then, rising like the phoenix. It was both my undoing and my putting myself back together, but in a completely different way. It was like Humpty Dumpty falling off the edge, but then realizing that you can't put him back together again because he's different now. <laughs> That's a funny example. But it was waking up to the truth, the cold hard truth, that I was a mess, a fucking mess. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, socially, all of it, just a mess. I had no idea who I was because I hadn't found myself yet. I was like wandering the abyss of like life without no anchor. And Boulder was like coming back to me. During the time that I lived in Boulder, I experienced my Saturn return. And this is why I created this podcast, because I want to show you an experience of how I went through my quote-unquote Saturn return, which I'm going to tell you what that means in a second, and then how now, what it were, like years later, I look back at my astrology and I'm like, holy crap, like it was all there in the chart, in the transits, you know? But Saturn return, as we call it in astrology, is basically when the planet Saturn returns to the same sign that it was in when you were born. And so you experience the return of Saturn to that sign. The Saturn return usually happens at 29 years old because it takes Saturn about 29 to 30 years to make a complete cycle through the entire zodiac wheel. So sometimes you can feel the Saturn return coming, and that's I felt it coming. I didn't know it was, it was coming, but I felt something, right? And its effects can sometimes last for many years. And this was my case. It started early. And it took a few years for me to realize that I had a choice. Sometimes people don't, don't do the work of the Saturn return and they end up stuck in, in a karmic cycle that they were 
meant to release. Because Saturn, in astrology, he's the lord of karma. So you better believe that when he comes around, you're about to release some karmic cycles. The Saturn return is a rite of passage in astrology. It's one of those cycles that transforms you. It makes you vulnerable. It forces you to see things about yourself that you don't like. It forces you to grow up. It's the maturing process of the individual. It's moving from childhood to adulthood. Saturn in astrology is known as the Lord of Karma and the Lord of Time. He governs authority. So he's like this father figure that we often look up to for wisdom and guidance. But he brings, you know, restriction into our lives so that we may remember that life is short. He causes us to feel the pressure of life's demands because he's like, hey, you may be a multidimensional being, but you're here in this three-dimensional world and there is limits to this world. So it's like, it's a shock. And he brings in that restriction into our lives and he causes us to feel the pressure of life's demands and he makes us face our fears and take responsibility for ourselves because until the Saturn return, we're still pretty naive. We're still young in every sense of the world. We don't yet, you know, we don't yet quite realize how hard life can be. We we can be naive and selfish and only focused on ourselves. It's like the fool. The fool in the tarot is the first card of the entire tarot deck. He's the one that's like about to go on the journey and he starts off with this fool energy, which, you know, in the card, he's about to jump off the cliff. But he's like fully excited about it. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what's coming. That's kind of the energy that we like arrive at with or with when we when we reach our Saturn return. So it's a it's not realizing that there's consequences to life. Well, when Saturn returns, we face those consequences. The tower falls and we watch our life crumble right before our eyes. And it really is up to us to rise out of the ashes. That's the whole point. To emerge as a new person. More aware, more cautious, smarter, more responsible. My Saturn return was extra special. <laughs> and I say that with a lot of sarcasm. Because looking back, sometimes I wonder, how did I get through that? It all started in the spring of 2012. My partner and I at the time, were, we were building a community. He was a Native American man from, from the Pine Ridge Reservation. We were running, you know, sacred Native American ceremonies. Um, and things seemed to, like, they were on the up and up. We were both um, also attending massage school at the time. We're getting ready to graduate. We were making new connections, new friends. Um, life felt good. We dreamed of, you know, one day owning our own land where we could have the ceremonies. And we dreamed of having children and raising a family. Um... And it was, it was like a powerful time of my life. And I was in love with him because I saw him as a spiritual person. And I had desired to find someone in my life that could actually see the world like I saw it. And it seemed to me at the time that I had found that person. So like, you know, my Saturn and Saturn and Mars and Scorpio, I just like dive in. I dove into, I jumped into the relationship, not realizing that the relationship itself and everything that emerged from it was going to be that dark night of my soul. The experience that would break me, literally, and, and either leave me broken 
or where I would rise up and it make me into who I was supposed to become. The problem with me and relationships is that I have Neptune in my seventh house in Capricorn. And Neptune in the seventh house causes you to create like big dreams and illusions about your relationships. In my case, I had lifted him so high up on a pedestal that I was completely blinded by the truth that was right in front of me. I desired a life of stability, but all I got was promises of stability, but never actual stability. I desired financial security and all I ever got was promises of financial security and, you know, schemes and crazy ideas to try to make more money that just seemed like wild to me. I needed to be seen and loved and I fell for, a, it was so codependent. It was a codependent karmic relationship where we thought we loved each other, but we really didn't know who we were. So there's no way to love someone if you don't even know how to love yourself. My Neptune in Capricorn is also ruled by Saturn because Capricorn rules Saturn, which means that my Saturn return that was going, that was coming, was going to be a rough ride for the relationship itself. Like the relationship itself was going to be a lesson. And my relationships in general, and it was going to bring up karmic relationships and the healing of those karmic wounds. But of course, back then I didn't know any of this. But if an astrologer had actually looked at my chart, they would have said, get ready. But there's really no way of getting ready either. Awareness helps, being prepared helps, but when you have to go through an experience for the purpose of getting to the other side, of becoming a new person, of learning lessons, of releasing karmic patterns and karmic relationships, which was my case, there's no way to really prepare. You just have to go through the experience. I have a friend right now who's going through her Saturn return. And I've just been holding space for her because that's all you can really do. You know, you, you, you can, you can hope for someone to like learn the lesson or, or, or see what's going on, but you can't ever make somebody, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's exactly what the Saturn return is like. It's like people that are going through their Saturn return, they just need space to do it. When I was going through my Saturn return, that was one of the times where I actually met Guru Jagat. She had come to Boulder and she had um, started, opened up a, a Rama studio in Boulder and I was teaching there. And um, I remember one of the things that she asked me one day, she was like, how old are you? Because I was telling her about my life and how intense my relationship was and how all this crazy stuff I was going through. And she was like, how old are you? I was like, 29. And she's like, oh, you're going through your Saturn return, you know? And I felt this like, sort of like, not like, it, it was kind of like, it, it felt dismissive to me, like, okay, um, we can talk later. You know what I mean? It wasn't rude or anything, but it was just like, I wonder what that was about. And I realized now, it's like, she, she knew what was happening with me. She knew what I was going through. And she knew that I was literally like, unavailable, <laughs> like energetically unavailable. Because, I was going through it. I was like going through the dark night of the soul. And during, you know, the, the story that I'm about to tell you about my actual Saturn return and the other transits that affected me strongly, there were people that tried to help me to see that, you know, they saw something was like not right. 
and I and and that I should like remove myself or like leave the situation I was in, like move away from like any danger, but I could not listen. And the experience itself just had to be had. It had to happen. It was part of my path, my growth. So you can't really ease anyone else's pain. You can't really save anyone from pain and suffering. All you can really do is just hold space and allow people to figure it out for themselves. Because that's the whole point, especially with the Saturn return. So if you're 29 and you're going through your Saturn return, I'm holding space for you, okay? <laughs> so here goes the story. Um, at one of our uh, ceremonies that we were that we were doing up in the mountains, the Colorado mountains, we met this man and he was this older age man, you know, maybe in his like seventies who um, lived up in the mountains of Colorado. He was this very eccentric man and he, he seemed to really enjoy the ceremony that he attended. Um, a few months after he had actually attended that ceremony, um, we didn't, I didn't really remember him, you know, I mean, I remembered him, but like not, you know, so many, we see so many people like when you're in the healing arts or spiritual communities and and especially when you're some kind of like a leader or if you're in a leadership role you meet a lot of people and I met a lot of people during that time and I I'm not good with names so like I obviously didn't really like remember who he was or you know anything like that plus I don't know other people's experiences in the teepee I only know my own and people have the craziest ex spiritual experiences and you have no idea that it's going on. And then years later, you'd be like, oh, my God, you have no idea like how much what you did for me in that one ceremony when you did this one thing. And you're like, really? Wow. I don't even like remember doing that. But that's how healing is. That's how ceremonies are. It's like they're powerful and everybody comes to get their own lesson and then they walk away with it. And they, it's like it's up to them to take it in, to absorb it, to process it, all that good stuff. So a few months had passed since that ceremony and he, he, when he approached us with this idea, he came to our apartment to talk and began to tell us that he wanted to buy this property. It was next to his up on the mountains and then, and he wanted to put our names on the deed. So he was inviting us to live in the house on the property and he, he like designated me as the keeper of the gates and of the land and invited us to, to run ceremonies on the land. And he thought there was this like amazing idea, this great plan. He, you know, he was like very inspired, you know, by spirit to, to do this, to give this to us and, you know, by the ceremony. And he felt like he was honored and he was making, helping our prayers come true. Um, and apparently he had actually heard us at that ceremony pray for land and pray for space to do more of these ceremonies. And, um, you know, in his own, in his own mind, he was like doing this amazing thing for us, but little did he know either, uh, little did he know that, you know, it was, it was all going to unfold in this crazy karmic wild ride. Oh my God. So when it, when he brought up this idea to us, I was like unsure of the offer because the, the cabin that we were going to be living in had no running water, no electricity. And it only had an outhouse, like no bathroom. That's <laughs> so crazy. And I thought of my one of my partner's sons at the time, basically my, my stepson at the time. He was in high school and he would have difficulty like just getting to school. And up there we would have no service. And we didn't even have a car that was good enough to get around in the snow. It snows a lot up there. And living off grid was like, whoa, like it seems like a little, this seems like a little bit too much, but like it was weird. Like I said, it was meant to happen. So 
there was like talk of like adding electricity to the place at some point, you know, but it was all just like talk. And, you know, doing that was going to be like, you know, thousands of dollars. And, you know, we didn't have any money. So we were basically at the mercy of like this man and his like ideas. Right. But we didn't realize that till, you know, much later. Eventually, we decided to go for it because it, it seemed like a cool idea. Like it was like, wow, like we prayed for it. And here it is like, wow, there was something about it that was like too good to be true, though. Um, and it was fate. And that was like the beginning of the end. We were excited to have a place to have ceremony uh, and excited that we were in essence buying land that we had prayed for. It all seemed like out of a dream and too good to be true. But somehow one thing led to another. And on, in April of 2012, we were literally signing the documents, purchasing the property with this man and excited to be moving into the cabin. And that summer, that first summer there was really powerful. It was, you know, for the spiritual community, it was amazing because we ran a bunch of ceremonies and we, we just had a blast. But in essence, for like the collective spiritual community that year, that summer was powerful. And I wasn't yet involved in astrology or anything like that. I had no idea that there were these crazy transits affecting us collectively. And apparently Venus was making her inferior conjunction with the sun at 15 degrees of Gemini. That was in June. And actually eclipsing the sun, which was a very rare event. That Venus eclipse was the ending of the Mayan calendar and the end of the world as we knew it, collectively. And Venus does this eight-year cycle. And, and that Venus cycle, which was conjunct my natal sun, was the beginning of the dark night of my soul the journey I would take into the underworld with Venus to reclaim parts of myself that had been lost and to discover parts of myself that I didn't know. And the next few months seemed like they were going great, but something was definitely in the air. And I began to notice that the relationship between this man, who I'm going to call him Tom, um, who had bought this piece of land and included us on the deal was beginning to get frustrated with us. Just something was off, you know? My dad actually had come out and brought a worker with him and they were going to add a bathroom to the cabin. And so like they were they were taking trips to Home Depot and building it and putting it all together. And he spent two weeks and a lot of money, you know, setting it up. Um, but Tom was really not happy about it. He, he, he didn't like the way that my dad was building because he said it was like California building and not Colorado building. And he just didn't like the thing at all. Um, so this tension began to build. And my dad actually, you know, he, he didn't get to finish the project, not because of the tension, but because it was like he needed to go back and he was like, okay, we're going to leave it like this. And then next summer we're going to continue and finish it. Right. So eventually, I mean, that never got done. That never got finished. So basically he just like wasted his time and money. But one day that summer, I came home to this huge German shepherd that my partner had decided to bring home. And we already had two dogs and a third dog seemed like excessive to me. And we were living up in the mountains. So like the dogs had like open space to like run around and, and that was fine. You can have as many animals as you wanted. There was no like restrictions in that. But I was concerned that like when we moved back into town or back into the city, like how we no one's going to accept us with three dogs. And then again, that just getting that third dog, not just any dog, but like a giant German shepherd really upset Tom. And and it just made things weirder and weirder because we had no place to take showers. We would sometimes go down to Tom's house 
and take showers there because he actually had a house in the city. But, but he soon began to act like we were invading his space. He would have these fits of anger and things started getting heated up with him and my partner, who was actually also short-tempered and hot-headed, they began kind of fueling each other up and creating this like silent war between them. And my partner was convinced that this man was in love with me. And it was like really strange, right? It was really weird. He was just like really jealous. And he had, you know, this Tom had actually given me his mother's old bedroom. That summer, his Tom's mother passed away. And he was like, okay, you can have the bedroom that was her bedroom. And that was kind of weird. And then he was like, you guys can paint it. And, you know, you can, you can, this is, this is uh, Jai's bedroom. And, and that was like, but I never really felt comfortable there. Um, none of what he offered ever felt truly authentic to me. I could feel that there were strings attached, but I was young and very inexperienced and I hung in there because I didn't know what else to do. I was like being guided by people that like didn't know how to guide. No leadership. And so eventually things blew up and my partner and Tom were basically at total war with each other. We stopped communicating. We stopped going to his house in the city. Things became very uncomfortable between all of us. I don't think anyone really knew what was going on. Everyone had their own idea, but no one knew where things would end up. And I think Tom decided that he no longer wanted us there, but he didn't know how to tell us. And he had, in fact, put our names on the deed. And there was no easy way of approaching the situation. So there was no easy way out for him. He, it was karmic. Like, contracts are karmic. And in that kind of situation, karma was definitely involved. And the whole thing, looking back, seems, you know, that it was like that for everyone. Like there was clearing of karma that was going on. And meanwhile, living up at the cabin with no electricity, no running water, no bathroom was taking its toll on us, on all of us. I, I never did, you know, I, it was crazy. I, like, I, you know, go, like in the freaking, like in 2012, like living, like if you were camping or like it felt like, you know, almost like you were homeless. But like, like I just remember like having a, washing the dishes was like, oh God god this like awful chore you had to like heat up the water and like wash the dishes by hand and have like one bucket for washing one bucket for rinsing and then drying and oh god and we had no space i mean the little cabin was maybe 800 square feet i mean it was maybe less i mean the place was tiny i remember like having like washing my face and brushing my teeth in the morning i literally had to go like outside and do it outside in the summer. And then in the winter, it was so cold. We had like a stove, <laughs> a wood stove, and we had to keep it going all night. So I remember there was nights where like we would take turns like like stoking the fire and like adding more wood into the wood stove. God, that wood stove. <laughs> we would try to cook on it and stuff. It was crazy. Like the, it, it was a crazy experience. It felt like we were like back in the 1800s or something. I, it was wild. I, I'd never done anything like that. It was an amazing experience. I would never do that shit again. <laughs> but it was hard. Like, oh, God, I remember the cold nights. God, I had like 10 blankets and I couldn't get warm. I mean, we were in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Like in the shadow because we were in this part of the mountain that like it never really got sun which was the worst but I learned I learned I learned so much from that oh my god I learned to cope with it but it was one the most one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do we did not have enough space for all of us it was four of us and three dogs and a cat and it was like a circus 
I never had space for myself. I always felt like depressed or sad or lonely. I didn't know why it was all happening. I just wish that we could fix it. I remember going to see Tom and trying to communicate with him that the tension should stop, but I was so young and naive. I didn't really realize that my partner hated Tom and he would, he would like refuse to cooperate with any kind of agreement. There was no resolution to the problem. In fact, all there was was just shit talking. All I ever experienced was like judgment and shit talking. And it was like, it was horrible. And so like I was being manipulated. I was being like mentally manipulated and there was no communication. So the whole thing was just like, oh my God, negative AF. And I felt like I was in the middle of it with no solution and no way out. And that was the last time that I actually talked to Tom. On September 28th, 2012, so this was like, we had been there for like that summer. That was the day that Saturn conjuncted my natal Pluto at 29 degrees of Libra. And Libra is a sign ruled by the planet Venus. And Venus in Libra is all about relationships and finding balance. But when you put Saturn and Pluto together, it's everything but that. When Saturn conjuncts Pluto, things change massively. Saturn tries to keep control, but Pluto forces destruction and death because it is through the destruction that the transformation happens. This conjunction began another intense phase where I would see my relationships collapse, my life completely destroyed, where I would literally have to deal with the court system, Libra, and with the death of the, the family and the, you know the dream of the perfect home and like life as I knew it. And in October of 2012, Saturn moved into the sign of Scorpio. See, I have Pluto at 29 degrees of Libra, and the next sign after Libra is Scorpio. So Saturn conjuncted my Pluto and then, boom, moved into Scorpio. And then in my natal chart, I have Saturn in Scorpio at 10 degrees. So that was when my Saturn return began. It began to approach. And in January of 2013, so that next winter, Saturn had reached 10 degrees of Scorpio, exactly conjuncting my natal Saturn. And this was the year where everything started to fall apart. 2013 was like hell, hell on earth. <laughs> Communication had completely stopped with Tom and things were up in the air. No one knew what was going to happen. On the day of July 11th, 2013, so that was like the next summer, my partner's son was hanging out with his friends on a piece on the piece of property. It was like the mountains, so it was like, you know, they were just in a part of the of the land that was actually only belonged to Tom. It wasn't part of the shared property. And then Tom's cousin was apparently with him. Um, and his cousin, I remember, was kind of like shady. He had like weird, you know, energy. I remember hearing yelling going on outside. We were inside the cabin and all of us went out. It was it was my partner. It was a friend of ours and it was myself. We were sitting inside the house and we heard the commotion. So we went outside to see this man brandishing a gun at my stepson and his friends. And they were freaked out. They were like asking him to put the gun down. And it was it, it's, it all happened so fast. But my partner, I mean, he grew up like it was my ex, you know, he grew up in like crazy, like other dimension called Pine Ridge Reservation. <laughs> and if you know anything about it, like, you know, it's like, it's like harsh. It's harsh. And there was, there was a lot in his childhood that he had to deal with uh, a lot of, you know, abuse, 
from his own father. Um, and he just had not worked through any of it. And so violence was like, it was the natural solution. So my partner walked right up to the guy and punched him in the face. <laughs> but it was so, it startled him because he wasn't expecting it. And it distracted him and it, and, it, and it scared him because he actually ran back down the hill, you know? And we also ran back to our house and like everyone was scared. We didn't know what to do. No one had cell service up there. You know, the the house was, his house was going down the driveway so we would have to pass through. So we were scared because the guy had a gun. I mean, it was crazy. Like what? These crazy situations, you know? After a while, we finally like, got the courage to like drive down the mountain and call the cops and they came out to us they made us at this gas station and then like they took our stories and stuff and but apparently obviously they tom and his cousin had actually called the cops first from the neighbor's house so they had like a di so the cops had a different story of course like we were the bad guy right um, and after the entire ordeal, I remember feeling like I can't, we can't go back there. Like it didn't feel safe. So we were like, it felt like we were like, oh, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it. Nowhere to turn. But eventually we had to go back up to the cabin because all of our things were there. Like, you know, we just dropped everything and left, you know, it was like a dangerous situation, but nothing was the same after that. And it had been building up, but that was like pretty culminating energy and while I was up at the cabin alone one of those days the cops rolled up and they served me with a restraining order and the restraining order was actually against against my ex my partner at the time and it was from Tom and so it was like okay now you have to go to court two weeks later and we showed up at the court and it was like another circus show Tom was like making these extravagant claims that we had possessed him into purchasing the property, putting our names on the deed, that we had manipulated him. And they were literally like, the, you know, they were like the plaintiffs. So they were like accusing us of like elderly abuse. It was crazy because the guy had come to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? And the fact that we weren't 100% sure, but we went for it. Like, that was the worst. It's like, dang, we should have said no, you know. But it was something that was meant to happen. And it was crazy. And the craziest part with that was that the community members were witnessing all of this. It was like character defamation because none of what they were claiming was actually like true, the exaggeration of it. It was all like just shocking. And I knew, you know, underneath it all, I knew because I have like this, you know, I have a compassionate and I'm empathic, compassionate heart and I'm an empathic person. I knew what, I knew what Tom wanted. Like he just wanted us to leave. Like he was like, this is, crazy like let's just end this you know but he had gotten himself into the situation and so had we we all signed the dotted line <laughs> you know what I mean it's like god looking back it's just crazy and I think that he was actually using the restraining order to try to you know to get my partner banned from going up to the cabin permanently and usually restraining orders, like, they, they get dealt with and finalized after just one hearing. But the judge had to keep extending it because all of us were so inexperienced with, like, court and, like, uh, lawyers and stuff that we, all of us, kept bringing witnesses in. Like, it was some kind of trial. Like, it was so crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. 
but so we he kept he had to keep extending it so he's like do you guys have more witnesses and everybody was like yes they're like okay we'll continue next time and so we we went we went to court three times and it was supposed to be like really just like a restraining order but we were like we were were like on trial you know it was like this weird like god it felt like another dimension but the plaintiffs right they had they brought up these crazy extravagant stories of demons and exorcisms and they actually on the stand i remember they like asked me if if like if i remembered when i had participated in in an exorcism at his house and i was like what are you talking about like i was like are you for real like is are you for real like i'm seriously on the stand right now and you're like asking me this question and i was like and i made this face and i was like what you know and then <laughs> then the lawyer was like objection <laughs> i was like just it was sad. it was like it felt like we were in a movie you know like oh my god it did not feel like real life it felt like a movie it was like comical but this so so the first time we went without a lawyer and then the second time we got a lawyer because we were like oh my god these claims they're making are like the what like we need we need help you know like we didn't know what to do you know so the second time we got, we went there with a lawyer and things were like, we were more smoothly and he like kind of chilled us out and he was like, dude, you guys need to chill out. Like, it's just a restraining order. And we were like, but all the claims he's making, you know, we were freaking out. We had no idea at all what to do. And um, because of, you know, because of this event and because we were served the restraining order um, papers at the cabin, we actually, you know, my ex was not allowed to be up there until the whole restraining order was resolved. So we were actually displaced and we ended up at a friend's house. And the crazy thing was that the restraining order was not against me. It was against my partner at the time, my ex, but I felt like it was against me. I felt like I was like fully involved. It was like interesting. But on the third day of court, which was September 11th of 2013, if I remember correctly, the judge ruled that the restraining order was not going to be upheld. And that he believed because of the brandishing of the gun to the minors, because like my stepson was a minor at the time and so was his friends, that we could have actually filed a restraining order against them. So it was like, it felt like we won. Like it was so weird. Like after three, three times going to court for a restraining order, we were like, victory. But it was definitely short lived. (laughs) We like we were tired. And we had spent a couple thousand dollars like defending ourselves for that for a restraining order. And we just like wanted it to be over. So we didn't file a restraining order against them. Um, But the issue was, you know, far from resolved. The next day on September 12th of 2013 in Boulder, Colorado, we had the 100 year flood. And the road to the cabin and and the road up the canyon to the cabin was destroyed. So there was like everything was closed. It was like this weird apocalyptic like event, like, poof, you know what I mean? It was so wild. And you could only get there from like this, the back way, which was really long drive. So we were left with no place to go, um, no access to the cabin. But we ended up moving, you know, into the the house that our friend's house that we were staying at um, and actually ended up signing a lease. And that was the first time in over a year that we had had access to electricity and Internet and water and power. And it felt like such a relief. And, you know, we were happy to hang out there as long as we could. We ended up, you know, signing that lease until the place literally got sold. 
in the spring of 2014. But by this point in my life, I felt like a leaf in the wind. Felt like I was being carried from place to place, not knowing where I would end up next. I wasn't happy in my relationship. I was realizing like those things that that situation brought up such like the ugliness in people and everybody involved. I felt lost and I was unable to see the relationship going into the future. I began to notice also that the friendships that I had were also falling apart. The entire community that we had, that we had been building was falling apart because of the whole situation. And we had community members that had actually shown up to witness the court hearings and everyone was affected by it. It was a mess. And we were the supposed leaders of the community. It was a nightmare. And I was also scared that I didn't know, you know, where to go or what to do next. I did, I, I had no, like, I, I, had, I couldn't leave. I was, like, afraid to be alone and to, like... It, like just like go out into the world because the, the 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 relationship itself which I haven't really talked about my relationship but the relationship itself was very karmic with my ex it was very karmic and it was very emotionally abusive and it was very codependent so I felt like I couldn't leave I felt like trapped a few months later <laughs> I was at work I was like teaching a yoga class at a local studio and this guy walks into the lobby and asks for me and he had this envelope and I was like and he he had like my legal name and in yoga I use like my regular my my spiritual name and so I literally could have been like no she's not here you know but I was stupid and I was like that's me and so he hands me this envelope and I was like what the hell is that about and I shouldn't have opened it before class but I opened it before (laughs) class and it was literally a civil lawsuit claiming that we had stolen from Tom and that he wanted us to sign away the deed back to him and give him back the car he had bought us because he did buy a car. It was like a Jeep that had 100,000 miles on it when we got it. And I remember it cost $12,000 and he paid cash. And he had bought that car to help us in the snow. And without that car, we wouldn't have made it. Like our my other car, my mother Mitsubishi, was like not a snow and that road like we had, I didn't even have a, a four-wheel drive that was part of the agreement that we had made in the beginning it was like if we're gonna do this like we're gonna need a car so he had bought that car so he was like he wanted the car back he wanted the money back he wanted everything back he wanted money for the damages and there were no damages you know the claim was that we had manipulated him into purchasing the property and tricked him into adding us onto the deed and he was suing us for all of it it was like hell all over again it was like it's not over you know, you haven't, you haven't fully dealt with it yet, you know? And the most karmic thing that you can get involved with is the court system. My God. We had no money, nothing to stand on, but we were thrown into the fire again. And this whole time, my anxiety levels were off the charts. I felt like I was in a constant attack. I would never be able to feel safe again. I had PTSD from the last court battle. And here we were, like, having to deal with it all over again. This time it was worse because this time it was an actual civil lawsuit. It wasn't just a restraining order. It was like an actual lawsuit. But the truth was that the problem had not been resolved. And like, you couldn't just leave it up there like that. It had to, the universe, it like it had to be resolved. So looking back at my astrology during this time, I can see that everything was like clockwork, unfolding as the transits were progressing. With each transit, I was deeper into the rabbit hole. Saturn had gone retrograde in that February of 2013. So it like passed over my Saturn at 10 degrees and then retrograded right after it was like January and then retrograded went boom 
and I, and it was about to cross over my natal Saturn once again. So by March of 2013, Saturn was hitting that spot again, activating a second wave of intensity and change. And this was just before the time we had had that encounter with Tom's cousin and the gun at the cabin. And we had to deal with the restraining order. And so when Saturn returned once again to 10 degrees of Scorpio that year, in October of 2013, the third wave of destruction began. By January of 2014, transiting Pluto conjuncted my natal Jupiter, activating a major loss, like specifically a financial loss in my life. And a few months later, we were served the civil lawsuit papers. On July 23rd of 2014, we were in mediation with our lawyer. Thank God. Thank God. Like they, we went to mediation instead of an actual like trial. Oh God, that would have been awful. But we went to mediation and that was in July of 2014. And we literally borrowed $8,000 to help us get, like by the end of that whole ordeal, it was eight grand. I mean, we were like, we had nothing. So eight grand was like a lot of money. And on this day, we ended up signing. <laughs> we gave, it was crazy because we were in there. And I swear to God, the mediator was like on their side. Like I swear to God, the mediator was like their friend. Everything felt like every, the world was against you. I think it was like because um, my partner was native and obviously he had like brown skin. I think that it was my first experience of being on the other side of the race, racism, um, like opposition. You know what I mean? Like I was being treated like shit because I was with somebody who was like native. Like that, that was, that was, that was an issue. Like that was real. And I had never, you know, I'd never experienced that before, but I was like, you're one of, it was like, you're one of them. So we're going to treat you like shit. And now it was, it was gnarly because we were there and I swear to God, it was like the guy, like you could hear him. He would go over there to their, to their office. Cause we were like in the same building but we were like in different rooms and like the mediator would go over to them and they would be like laughing and like, you know, la 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 laughing and like conversing and all this stuff. And then he would come back and be all serious. And we had to like respond, you know, it was like, we were going back and forth. Like first they were like, we want all the money back and the deed back and the car back and this and that. And we we're like, what the, I was like, look, we like, I know he just wants the house back. I, I want to, I, I can't, I can't do without a car. Like I need the car. You know what I mean? I was like, can we just like figure this out? Like real people. I'm like, mediation was like pulling your hair out. I was like, do we seriously have to like go snail pace with this? It was like back and forth. And then on top of it was like every minute that went by, it was like another $50. You know what I mean? It was like pulling your hair out. I have sympathy for people who have to go through mediation because like that was awful. That was awful. I never want to do that again. <laughs> never want to do that again. But basically on, on this day, we ended up signing over the lease, you know, that we, we like signed it over because I, like, I don't want that place. That place is like karmic and it's tainted, you know, we, I got to keep the car, thank God. And then we agreed on moving out by the cabin by that this that the beginning of September. And somehow we gathered up the will to go back up to the cabin and collect all of our things. Like we had to move out, you know, we had to get all our stuff. And it did feel better that the end of this chapter was near, but the toll on my relationship 
and on the community was irreparable. Everything was exposed for everyone to see and judge. I felt naked and vulnerable and scared. I don't think people knew what it felt like to be in my situation. When you, when you were, you were, I was never taught to deal with real life. That was my first experience of real life without like mommy or daddy holding my hand. It was gnarly. It was like scary AF. And I had no skills to deal with what was happening. It literally ran over me like a bus and it left me hanging there. And I didn't know how to put myself back together again. My heart, my soul, my spirit were literally in pieces. I was confused. I didn't feel supported by my partner. Um, all I, all I felt was like negative energy, you know, I was so tired of moving from place to place. The summer of 2014, the house we were living in was sold. So we ended up homeless again. We, we stayed at a friend's house for two weeks. That's actually when I wrote my song entitled embracing change, which talks about how, you know, when you, when you've reached rock bottom and there's no way to go, but up that song comes from there. Those of you guys that know my songs. And I was just defeated at that point in my life, but I still had hope. My friend offered us a, a room in her basement and we were there. You know, she was like, okay, well, you guys get your stuff together. You can rent, you can rent my basement. Um, but that didn't end up well either because two months after she was like asking for more money and we didn't have it. And it was like so weird. Like we just, it, being with this person I was with at the time was like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like there's no words, but it was so negative. Like everything was negative. All we, all he ever focused on was like the negative side of things. And I know some people are going to be like, that's not true, but it, uh, that's what it was. There was like no positivity. There was no love. It was fraudulent. It was fraudulent spirituality. And I'm not afraid to say that because that is like, plain as day what it was I thought I was in a real true spiritual relationship but it was a fraud this person was a fraud in 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 the in the ceremony in the teepee I felt like there was true heart true love and it was confusing because the minute the ceremony was over it was back to like shit talking and back to the world is against us and back to like just hateful energy, negative energy. And I and I get I get that energy. I understand it. There's there's history there. There's history and there's like real, real like ancestral karma. And I understand it, but it was like it was awful to be around. It was like that's not me. I'm like so much more like loving and optimistic about life. And it, it felt like a, a, a negative black hole that never ended. And, and that's, that's, that was my experience. Like no one knew that, but that's what, that was my experience. Like everyone else could, I think, see it. But like my experience was weird because I was confused. I was like, hey, I didn't, I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I didn't know if there was something wrong with me. Like I, it was like, um, it was like I was a victim of like emotional abuse and codependent abuse. And I was also 
like handing it out myself you know what i mean because like this the shadow all the shadows were like ooh, here we are all the negative aspects of ourselves are like are just coming out into the open and like the dragons right and like the demons were like all coming out but it was like a, an, an abusive emotionally abusive relationship it was like there was no awareness like there was only like jealousy and negativity and like negative talk and gossip and things like that. And it was like that energy after a while just is, it's exhausting, especially for someone who's like empathic. Like I was like, I wanted things to be better. I believed that things could be better. I put this person up on a pedestal and in the end, that was like the opposite of what he was. And it took me going through that entire experience like, Making the community and losing the community. Making friends and then having those friends turn on me because I was connected to this person that they were all being had by. And that was my, that was my experience and I had to go through that. You know, and when we were at my friend's house, it's like we were there for two months, but then we left and we didn't have it in us to leave with any kind of grace, but we were not in a good place, you know? When you're in those situations, your mind is confused. Do you know how they talk about like narcissistic abuse and narcissistic and like how when you've dealt with narcissistic abuse, you end up like they you end up feeling confused, like you don't know who you are and you need the other person to tell you who you are. That's kind of how it was for me. And at that point, it was it was chaos. It was chaotic. We ended up going to Denver and finding a place to stay there for six months. But then eventually we literally got kicked out. And I realized now that it was my ex, my partner at the time that was causing the relationship conflicts with everyone he encountered. He was my karmic relationship. And I realized later that, you know, he never really intended to settle down. He never really intended to make roots or a home. He was like a vagabond, a nomad. He belonged nowhere. And he loved that. I was like, that's not me. So after six months, <laughs> we got kicked out. So we got to go somewhere else. So now we're at someone else's house. And this time it was like an apartment. <laughs> and there was literally no room for us. But we didn't know where to go. And they offered us the place. So we were like, well, we, let's just go. We don't have anywhere to go. So there was five people in this apartment and four dogs at one point. <laughs> it was like another circus show. We slept in the living room for a while. And then we were offered the bedroom. But then we discovered bed bugs, okay? Don't, let's not even go there. Let's seriously not go there. <laughs> but we had to get out of that room until it was cleared and cleaned or whatever, you know? God, it was just one thing after another. By the end of the summer of 2015, I was determined to make a better life for myself. I don't know where it came from, but like the hope was still there. There was a still a little sparkle, you know? There was still a little tiny flame. And for the first time, I did the miracle morning. I would wake up every morning and I would visualize a new life. I would do a meditation. Uh, one where, you know, I would visualize a life where I actually had security instead of, the, instead of the illusion of it. A life where I actually had someone, a partner with me that was reliable, not the illusion of it. A life where I didn't have to move every few months. A life where I was happy and stable and able to begin to finally start working on my own career and my life. I mean, it felt like from 2012 to 2015, I wasted a lot of time. I felt like I kept hanging in there, in the relationship, because I was scared of being by myself. 
but the truth kept hitting me in the face that I needed to free myself of the relationship. That it was just a karmic relationship that that came into my life because I needed to see things about myself that were harsh and that were difficult and that showed me who I could actually become and that I was not those things and I could choose not to be those things. So the most of the problems had arisen for us were actually caused by my partner's behavior, by his rudeness, by his like thug mentality. And those 30 days towards the end of the summer of 2015 were like my saving grace. That miracle morning changed my life. They were the ending of the massive repercussions of events that tri- that were triggered by that Venus eclipse, the transiting Saturn conjunction of my natal Pluto, my Saturn return and transiting Pluto conjuncting my Jupiter. And there was massive transits. Those were massive transits and they were affecting me in like just a few years time. And I was ready for that cycle to end and to begin a new one. My Saturn return was literally a dose of real life and a major wake-up call to grow up. And I finally realized that in order to end the horrible karmic cycle of being entrenched, engulfed, and intertwined with people that were toxic, karmic, detrimental to my mental and emotional health, I had to leave. No one was going to change around me. But if I wanted change, and I wanted it, I had to brave the real world but I had to brave it by myself. And I remember the day I went out to look for my own place, a small little studio where I would live by myself with no one else. The day I I finally signed the lease. How I felt. The freedom I felt for the first time. The release. I remember when I decided to be done with the relationship. And it was hard. And I was tired. But I made it through. I survived and I learned my lessons and it was rough, but it helped me to get where I am today in life. These astrological cycles are no joke. I had no idea that I was going through my Saturn return or that Saturn had conjuncted my Pluto or that Pluto had conjuncted my Jupiter. All of these transits mark huge change, transformation, intensity, revolution, death and rebirth, a journey through the underworld and hardship. I was just going through the motions. I was just living it. I was experiencing it. I was learning from it. It doesn't matter if you know what is going on astrologically or not because each person's Saturn return is different. All of these transits are experienced in a different way and each person's lessons that they need to learn are different. I had no idea what was going on in my life in 2012, 13, 14, and 15, but I knew those were the hardest years of my life so far and they were not fun. But I knew there were there was meaning there. I knew there was a huge lesson for me. And when I emerged from it, I realized that I was actually the phoenix that was literally rising from the ashes. Looking back and seeing that major dates correlated with major astrological transits affecting my chart, I, I was like, you know, it was, that was the confirmation I needed. I know astrology works. I know it can give you insight into your life. I know it can help you predict events in your life that you can look out for and prepare for. I know it can help you understand your past. And I know I was meant to work with it, to learn it, to understand it, and to use it to help people with it as well. And so what's with astrology, right? Coming back full circle after like an hour of yapping your ear, talking your head off. What's with astrology? Well, astrology is a guide. Astrology is a tool that we can use to help us navigate through life. 
It's a tool that we can use to understand our past, to understand where we come from, who we were, what we want, what we most desire. For example, I noticed that having Saturn return in Scorpio, the most intense sign of the Zodiac, makes your Saturn return extra gnarly. And that transiting Saturn aspecting my natal Pluto and transiting Pluto aspecting my natal Jupiter in my seventh house of relationships was major death, transformation, and rebirth. It was a karmic cycle involving karmic relationships that needed to be resolved before I could move on to the next phase of my life. And when I look back at it with an astrological perspective, what I realize is that I chose that intensity in my life to heal. Somehow I knew that jumping into situations that I didn't understand or was naive to was the way for me to learn. Like I had to learn the hard way and I chose that. And it makes sense to me now why, because of my Saturn and Mars and Scorpio. I learned by diving in. That same intensity has helped me learn everything in life, including astrology. And now I can find gratitude for that aspect of myself that basically threw me into the fire of transformation because it knew that that was the only way that I could learn how to rise like the phoenix. So if you really want to see astrology in action, I recommend that you look back at your past and see what was happening astrologically and how that was affecting your chart. It's eye-opening. It's empowering. It's illuminating. It's powerful. And this was just like my... this. Okay, I just spent an hour talking about my Saturn return. That's not even talking about other aspects of my chart, which I'll probably talk about in another episode at some point. There's so many examples, it's not even funny. And I hope that by sharing my story... That it helped you understand a little bit more who I am, first of all, because that was that was a major, major personal share right there and where I come from. That period of my life, 2012 to 2015, my Saturn return and beyond, because my Saturn return was 2013, but I felt it coming in 2012 and then it didn't resolve fully until 2015. That was the pressure that creates the diamond. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Like that, I I wouldn't be where I am without that experience. During that experience, I dove into like the traditions. That's where I learned, you know, all of everything about, you know, in in the spiritual sense of like the Native American culture. And I embodied it and I learned from it. And I dove right into that as well. And that, I take that with me. Like that comes with me forever. I came away with a lot too, but it was hard. It was a crash course in life. And I am only grateful for it now. I really did come out of it wiser, stronger, and more mature. And so I just, like, I just want to thank you for listening to my story. And I hope that you are also inspired by it to learn more about how astrology can help you understand yourself and guide you in life. And I know in the future, I'm going to probably do more episodes about, you know, examples from my life and, and how, you know, I learned and, and I feel like these kind of things help us so much to learn from each other. And that's one of the things that I hope to do for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for sitting here or doing whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to me talk and and taking in my story. 
and and I hope that it has helped you to understand yourself a little bit better. It has given you inspiration. It has helped relieve some of your your fears about it. Because honestly, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of astrology. Don't be afraid of the crazy transits. They happen because they're supposed to. And life is beautiful. And we learn and we move forward and we emerge and we rise like the phoenix. So my wish for you, if you're going through your Saturn return or if you've already gone through it and you're going to look back and, 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 and see what happened, is that you get to experience yourself, what it's like to rise from the ashes. And then you get to see how in your past, when you were faced with some gnarliness, how you rose from the ashes. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. If you loved this episode and this podcast, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as Channel for Grace, and you can discover a world of amazing offerings on my website. If you want to learn astrology, if you want to learn what it means to discover your inner sacred feminine, if you're curious about the current astrology and how it's affecting you, if you want private readings of astrology and tarot, or or if you're looking for awesome jewelry designs and zodiac themes jewelry, then please check out my website, channelforgrace.guru. I will see you soon on my next episode. Mm-hmm.